So today we're going to talk about banks. Alex, what are some of the ways that we tend to interact with banks on a day-to-day basis? So generally speaking, the first time you'll ever have contact with a bank is you'll probably when you're 15, 16, you know, you'll trundle down or get taken down to local bank or building society to open up account and <laughs> it'll be where um, you know, you've got your pocket money or whatever you're earning over your know, casual job to, to put in um, as a place basically to save you or uh, to, to where you can put it, which isn't under your mattress or under your pillow <laughs> or in the, in, in the biscuit jar. Um, I guess that probably covers your immediate interaction, but what that does is then opens up your ability to then go and either save or spend at will. And what banks offer you are essentially mechanisms as to how to pay for stuff. So mm. you know, if we think about what banks actually you know, have been over time, they tend to be, you know, a lot of it will be the not so sexy part of what we think about banks. It's, a, it's kind of plumbing, financial plumbing. Mm. How do we get money from one place to another? So these days it'll be about, well, um, if you've got some money in the bank, then you can use your uh, smartphone, you can use your laptop to go and pay someone to buy something online or to pay bills online. Um, but also they can give you a debit card, basically that piece of plastic that you can touch in and touch out mm. that will then allow you to go and pay for stuff. So really at a very, very basic level, it's a way for you to be part of the, the financial plumbing. Okay. And how do they operate? So a bank essentially ends up being a place that will try and take money as a way to store it for you but mm. then also turn that into other ways for people to use money so for instance there will be people who have excess money like if you've gone out and you've been working over the summer and you put some money away to the side mm. that's because you don't necessarily want to use that money right now you're saving it for the rainy day or saving up for something well there'll be other times where other people are like well i need to buy stuff now yeah and so I can't necessarily buy everything I want to now, I may need to borrow it. So banks end up being this large way of essentially intermediating between people who've got money to save and people who need to, to borrow money. So that will be in various guises, which will be anything from lending for uh, an, an overdraft or lending mm. for personal loans or for mortgages, for all different sorts of stuff where People may not have the money that they need right now to do something they need to right now. And that's on a retail level, right? That's so, on a retail level. <clears throat> so it's like you, me, mm. but there's obviously, they would operate the same facility for businesses and organizations, you know, schools, charities, all mm. of these kind of things have similar requirements. So they're there to effectively deposit and save and hold money and then lend money. And to Alex's point is that can be done in a, in a variety of ways, um, depending on the requirement and, and the length of time. Mm. So if we think about it in terms of personal use, so people like us, what are the different components that are in one's bank account? So like you said, you've got your overdraft, you've got your debit card. Um, is, is, there, is, so is there like a savings account that you can put um, money into that... You might give you a better interest rate? All different ways in which to be able to 
use banks for your money, whether it's money you have or money that you would like to have or things that you're saving for. So your basic interaction, your basic account is going to be a called a current account. Mm. Now, in the US, it's called a checking account, but here it's called a current account. Uh, for historical reasons, generally you can think it's because what am I using it for my current spend? Yeah. <laughs> but then, yes, you will, and, and that, that account may have various facilities with it, which will be, as you mentioned, a debit card, mm -hmm. which is essentially that, that what looks like a, a credit card, but it's a, it takes money out of your account when you go and spend mm -hmm. with it. So that gives you... And it's physical or virtual, right? Exactly. Yes, you so might you have, have it on your smartphone, smartphone or, or, or your, your smart watch, even. You know. And exactly. if it's a debit card, you can only spend what is in your account. Well, there's you can spend what is in your account, but there's, you know, as, as, as Alan pointed out, there's all sorts of ways in which you know, banks will have products which will allow you to spend. You know, they are, to a certain extent, incentivized to get you to spend <laughs> well, to that's borrow. How, that's how they make money. But yeah, just to be clear, <laughs> is... You can only spend what's in your account or up to the agreed overdraft. Exactly. Typically, what would happen is if you, let's say you had an overdraft of 50 pounds or whatever, and you had a 50 pounds in your account, and you wanted to buy a 200 pound item, mm -hmm. the likelihood is you went into that store and you, well, you can't tap, you'd obviously have to put it in the machine. Your transaction would get declined. Okay. Because you don't have sufficient funds in order to do it. Mm -hmm. Now, if you went in there and it was the item you were looking to buy was only seventy-five pounds, fifty pounds, then you probably it might go through if you've got that approved overdraft. Okay. But then you know, then you're in an overdraft facility. We'll talk about that in a minute because yeah. there are there is um, conditions to that. Mm -hmm. but yes, effectively with a debit card, you're not allowed to spend more than you've got. Okay, so you've got so so far we've we've got the overdraft, which is arranged, yep. and you organise it with a, the bank. Yeah, and maybe probably just for for our listeners, just a bit of clarity. An overdraft is a a borrowing facility, so it's an agreement. Not every current account will give you an overdraft, oh, okay. but it's an agreement with your bank that they'll say if you spend more than what you had in your account, we will give you a line of credit will allow you to spend mm. up to a certain amount mm. and will still process that transaction mm. so it's almost as though you have the money but we're expecting you to pay it back yeah in return for which i was going to say be careful yes. well, yeah, because i think a lot of our listeners <laughs> will most likely live in their overdraft live in their <laughs> overdraft well, so they'll, they'll either be students or have just graduated and and I'm for students. You can get an overdraft. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Giving banks on. giving you money. Woo <laughs> like... So why would you not say yes to that? Um, yeah, so, have some cash. <laughs> and so, what are um, so what would you as a student, if you were in that position, is that a would you be it's, taking that overdraft agreement? It's what a, are the pros and cons? Okay, so the pros are obviously having access to more money. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's money I can go out and I can spend it. This is going to take so, a very different turn. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the pros are we all like money. We all mm. like to have the ability to spend. Sometimes it gives us that little nice warm feeling that if there's a, an emergency, mm. then yes, I can do that as a pro. But the con, or the big con... There'll be fat con. Oh yes, is it's really expensive. So oh. in this, so in the UK, an overdraft, if it's uh, above a, a certain amount, then 
that facility will carry interest rates in the vicinity of 40% per annum. Oh, what? So think about that. 40%, it means if you borrowed £1,000 on 1st of January and you have to pay it back on the 31st of December, you'd be paying back basically an extra £400. It's almost, you know, it's getting close to, to, to double. So it's a very, very expensive way of borrowing. It is more expensive than most credit cards. Yes, oh, exactly. My goodness. So the overdraft is there really as an emergency stopgap. It is facility. not basically. It's not free money. It's, it's, not, it's <laughs> not a free money. It's not a target. It's not. It's not, it's not an aim. No. As much as I try. Yeah. <laughs> it's not an aim. So yeah, yeah the thing is, you, you know, it is an emergency, mm. not it is a regularity. break glass. <laughs> Yeah, it, it is. It is one of one of those. So yeah. it is a very expensive way of borrowing, but it is meant to be that way. And as much as uh, it is designed to be a very temporary facility, so there may be occasions, for instance, if you um, you're, you're getting paid on Friday, it's Wednesday, and you need to go out and spend something. So mm -hmm. okay, fine. I know I'm getting paid in two days' time. If I'm going to go two hundred pounds into my overdraft limit. It is not the end of the world, but the, the, the bad habit is getting into the rut where you are continuously mm. running an overdraft because then that means more and more of your income is going on, 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 on interest. Which yeah, you can't even keep. That's it's, just money out the it's window. Yes, tiny, yeah. And it's, so the thing, I mean, you know, you talked about that, Alex. I mean, the other one, I think, uh, I think a lot of people will suffer from because we all have direct debits in our account, right? And the thing is, is that those direct debits will go over, like they'll they'll happen, like throughout the course of the month, and that doesn't always necessarily align to your payment date. What's a direct so, debit? So a direct debit is an agreement whereby you set it up with someone who's providing you a service. So for instance, your oh, water so company or the for your Spotify. council tax, yeah. Spotify, Netflix. Oh, okay. So every month you've got an agreement that that company mm -hmm. can take a pre-agreed amount out of your account. Mm -hmm. So there used to be something uh, in banking called a standing order. Mm -hmm. It's now been not replaced, but a direct debit is essentially this mechanism that allows you to give permission to a company for a specific purpose to go take money so what it does is it automates that that payment process so rather but than you don't have to do it exactly instead of having oh. to write a check out and remembering to send something in mm. every month and them having to send you a statement which would then prompt you to to, to do it all now it's it's all automated okay well it's a bit dangerous in itself then i guess yeah but this is my point right so the thing is is that, again you have a direct debit and you get to that stage where it, it goes and it, it, it clicks in and the payment comes out of your account. So Alex's point, it just comes out, right? You don't have any control mm. over it. And that's, I think, one of the ones where people fall foul of, of the overdraft is because, you know, you might have X amount of money in your account, two or three of these direct debits come out and then suddenly you're in the red. But to Alex's point again is that <clears throat> hopefully is that you're, you're close to a payday or, or the ability to put money into your account that gets you out of it. I mean, the long and the short of it is, don't, you know, it's it's the emergency break glass moment. That's fine. Try not to live in it. If you live in it, it becomes really expensive. Very expensive. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so that's a common reason why someone would borrow money, I guess, from a bank. What are some of the other ones? We did, we discussed mortgages uh, recently, mm -hmm. so I think we're fine on that. Um, 
But what are some other reasons? So there's times when we are looking to, um, to every, well, let me take a step back. Every month, if we've got an income, we've got money coming in, and when we decide, are we going to spend it or are we going to save it? Mm. So that's our, our consumption. Are we in a point where we're actually saving for something? So for instance, when we're talking in our one of our previous episodes about buying a house, it's like, okay, well, we've got to save for a deposit. Let me put some money aside. I'm going to choose, instead of going out to dinner four times a week, I'm going to take that money. I'm going to save it because actually I want to have a deposit later mm-hmm. on. So that's one way in which we kind of change our consumption. We're deferring our spending. Mm. Whereas on the other side, it's like, well, if I want to go and buy, and buy a house, well, given how much a house costs relative to our income, mm. we can't, you know, we're not necessarily going to be in a position where I'm going to save up all this money waiting to then get to the point where I can go and buy a house. There is a, a decision I have to make, which is either, do I want to buy the house now? borrow money and pay interest on it but at least know then I don't have to pay rent because I've got a roof over my head or do I say I'm not going to borrow the money I'm going to save until I have all the money to buy a house Mm -hmm. but then it's well where do I live in the meantime so Mm -hmm. the reason why we go out and borrow is because there's you know the, the how economists would put it is that they're bringing consumption forward so I'm consuming stuff now in exchange for what I wouldn't spend later so the borrowing is because I, I I want to have that now in return for which I won't spend later I, on. I think you, you simplified in the sense of there's key decisions that have to happen during the year during your life where your spending does not align to your earning so mm-hmm. with that in mind house as Alex is pointing out car you know lifetime event wedding uh, you know refurnishing your house or, or DIY um, you know you might be looking at a trip of a lifetime or something like that you know you, you buy certain things they might fall that are beyond one month's paycheck or your mm. ability to save for it over a short period of time so what do you do well you borrow money and you borrow money I mean we talked about mortgages last time I mean the trick here and we'll, I think we're going to come to this later is that the house is great because obviously it gives you something to live in mm. and you know you 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 basically gradually pay that back without paying rent the other thing is it's one of the few assets that probably unless you're super unlucky will appreciate over time whereas most of the other stuff you buy doesn't right <laughs> can't sell the holiday once you bid on it right <laughs> car goes down in value now don't you go talk, yeah yeah Again, <laughs> the other aspect of it is, is again, so there's, so with that in mind, is again, you know, I think we've covered the mortgage thing, so we'll go to that. But go back to your original question is, what do people use banks for? Well, either you have lifetime events or, or you have events throughout the year, you might turn around and go, you know what, <clears throat> I've been working hard or I, I want to do a trip and I want to go to Australia or whatever, and you've got to pay for the airfare, mm. right? May not be able to pay for it right now, so you've got to. Get on with it and mm. find a way to pay for it so that you might borrow the money. Mm. I've got another question about direct direct debit. Does that just go on forever? Uh, it can do if you're not careful. And it actually is a really good point to bring up because hopefully we're trying to get people to get into really good habits. Mm. And one really great habit is to 
go through your bank account maybe every three months or so and have a look at all of the direct debits that are on your account yeah. to make sure they're still relevant. So for instance, there may be a time where you've gone and subscribed to an online magazine and well, actually you're not watching it anymore or on your smartphone, you have subscribed to- The latest game. App. Exactly. <laughs> And the thing is that these will continue to, to charge you. It is actually part of the, it's, a, not, it's a feature, not, not a bug. Yeah, and they're not, they're not always monthly, right? So they can be annual. I mean, they can buy like an annual subscription. And then, but the, one of the things that they do is, is, is that if that charge feels a little bit too uh, difficult to swallow, then what they do is they break it up and they spread the cost yes. across the months, right? Mm -hmm. So instead of, 79 pound for one year's access you know pay seven pound 99. Mm. careful there because seven pound yeah. 99 times 12 is not 79 for 79 pounds mm. but they'll give you the discount again they'll give you the discount for the money up front mm. because the old adage is a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush yes because if you've got money you could do something with it mm. if you don't have money nothing you could do with it so, you know, from that perspective, again, be careful not only about what direct debits you're still using, but actually what is the value of the, you know, what is the value of the direct debit versus paying it up front, especially now that interest rates have gone up. Absolutely. That'll be one thing. And for, for our own personal finances, but also the way companies will work is, especially now with interest rates above 5%, you can think, well, hang on a second, if I'm a, a company, if I get the if I get my money up front, I've got the chance to then invest it even at a minimum of five percent. That's a five percent increase to their mm. margins. So always be try and be smart and understand about if someone is offering you the chance to do something in instalments, see whether it's cheaper or whether they are actually mm. implicitly charging you. Yeah, because some some companies like. <laughs> When you go buy a sofa, they all offer you interest-free credit. And the reason why is not many people can walk off the street and buy a sofa in cash because they have that much money lying mm. around, right? So they have to incentivize people to say, hey, come and buy my sofa, and they will pay for the interest because they'll bake it into the cost that they put into the sofa, okay. right? And then, um, <clears throat> but it's, you know, with that in mind is that the smaller things, you know, sometimes you've got to weigh up to Alex's point is, do I just take the pain now and pay it off in full? And then, you know, uh, then I can, I don't have to spread, I don't have to pay the interest or spread out the cost. Mm. But the other aspect of it is, 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 you know, sometimes if you're not sure whether you're using a service to its fullest, if you have a direct debit, you don't pay the full amount. So you, if you decide to cancel it, then you're only paying for the point that you're using it. And there's also one you know, quick trick, which is that there will be certain certain types of organizations, a lot of times this happens with newspapers or other magazine subscriptions, where if you cancel, they'll call you back and will try and offer you oh, a yeah. better deal. Yeah. So it's so always makes it... Yeah. <laughs> Come back, Alex, please. Yeah, yeah exactly. I miss you. No. Didn't go, obviously, yeah. <laughs> It, they didn't get it for free. So. <laughs> well, so you just mentioned how interest rates are now at 5%. How are they set? So what are the determining factors that, that make it 5% all of a sudden? Okay. 